Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of The Chorus and the Chaos. This one uh, should be fun, should be controversial. Uh, some of you might get angry. Some of you might clap. Some of hang you hang on to your frappuccinos. Yes, hang on to your frappuccino. We're going to talk about The Chosen, a very, very popular TV show that's out there right now. Um, on our social media, we we've made it very clear that we are not fans of The Chosen. And that makes people angry, Blake. People get very angry when they find out that we are not fans of The Chosen. Yeah. So we, so yeah. we, we thought it'd be useful to do a quick bonus episode on very high level, but kind of three high level bullet points of why we will not watch The Chosen. And, you know, these are things, I think some of these are going to be stronger points than others. There's actually one area here where not all three of us completely agree, and that's okay. So know that we're giving you things for consideration here. Um, maybe some warnings, um, some things. There'll be certainly things that we feel more strongly about versus others. But know yeah. that, um, yeah, prob- probably some of you will unfollow us by the time this episode is over. And sorry. I don't know I, if that's uh, it. Yeah. I don't know if it's that extreme. I, you know, listen no. to the argument before you assume <laughs> that we're idiots. I'll Just say turn that. it off now. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. turn it off. You know what? You know what? You're some of you are gonna, the truth. Are you gonna till the ground and salt the earth and burn everything up? I wouldn't be surprised if I woke up to my SUV burnt out tomorrow because of this episode. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Now I'm a little worried. Now Jack's got me a little gunny now. Like now make we're sure all, all my windows are locked up. tonight. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> overpromise and underdeliver, Blake. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So Grayson, uh, you did write an article. Back, I don't know, six, eight months ago on The Chosen. Yeah, uh, something like that. that long ago. Several months ago. I forget how long. But you did write an article. It was very, very good. It's been one of our <laughs> most popular articles, I think, on the on the webpage hmm. uh, in the past year or so. Um, so I'm going to let you kick it off. So point number one, area of concern, a reason that we will not watch The Chosen is because it has very deep, dark Evil, insidious, insidious <laughs> yeah. ties to Mormonism. Even yeah. though the producer says no, it's not. And he makes a joke about it that it's not and all that stuff. But there are there are some things that smack of Mormonism. Yes. Yep. Um, I mean, first off, you have you have them directly working with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Roman Catholics and. I mean, pretty much anybody and any anybody and everybody that you can under the umbrella of Christian, and I use Christian very, very broadly here. Um, so, with that, <laughs> what just the timing of that was not could not have been any worse. <laughs> Jack's been pouncing at this, <laughs> yeah. this sound bite. Jack has had. I was yeah, trying Jack- to get ready, and I didn't know it was going to play. Like I thought he was so excited, he clicked it. Now, now, now. Well, it's like the intro to the podcast, too. You're right. Yeah. Then it broke into the. Yeah. So the Mormon tie. There's this controversial statement uh, that the character, the guy that is portraying Jesus and the chosen, and we'll get into that a little deeper in a few moments. Uh, but he says the statement, I am the law of Moses. 
Oh, yeah. That's my cue. Okay, hang on. That's your cue. <laughs> there we go. Yep. So <laughs> a lot of people actually had no problems with this. People were looking at it and saying, okay, well, Christ says he's the word. The law is the word of God. Therefore, you can make the argument that Christ saying he is the law is not too extra biblical or unbiblical, right? They look at it as a harmonization of that. Um, I think simply because of the reality that this show is so closely wed to Mormons that are directly writing the scripts that you can't separate that influence out of it. So yeah. when you look at a passage from, you know, the Book of Mormon, Nephi or Nephi five fifteen nine, it says, Behold, I am the law and the light look unto me and endure to the end and ye shall live for unto him that endureth to the end i will give eternal life behold i have given you the commandments and so on and so forth right when you hear that at first blush there's not a ton in there that sounds all that nefarious right when you look at it and you say okay when he says i am the light we agree with that john one talks about that reality um yeah. right he talks about the reality of enduring to the end that's what we call perseverance of the saints Right. But in this particular context and a few other different passages from the Book of Mormon, what actually is being stated within it as far as Christ being the law is there's this tie to a works-based theology that is part and parcel to Mormonism. Um, it's actually directly tied to that reality. And again, you can't divorce it from it. So even right. in that quote, he says, for you shall live according to the commandments. I will give you eternal life, right? There is that workspace theology aspect that's all tied to it. But my larger beef with it is that this is just simply not a statement we ever hear Christ saying in scripture. Um, yeah, right. Well, we do hear out of the several I am statements, um, the law is never one that pops up. And I believe there's particular reason for that. Um, we know that the law is good. Paul says this in the book of Romans. We know that it's holy and righteous and just, but ultimately Paul makes the argument all throughout the book of Romans, at least in the beginning part that the law could, cannot save, right? There is a weakness right. in the law and it's not because the law is bad, but sin produced death as a result, uh, or I should rather say that the law produced death as a result of sin. Right. So there's this dichotomy or split that, Paul makes in the book of Romans between the law and Christ arguing that though the law is holy, righteous, and good, it was never intended to bring life as Christ brings life. It was never intended yeah. to bring forgiveness as Christ bring forgiveness. If you were an Israelite and you obeyed the law, you were forgiven, not because you obeyed the letter of the law perfectly, but because you had faith in the God who gave you that law, right? There's a fundamental difference between those two realities. Yeah. So, when I look at a passage like Romans 8, 1 through 4, right, Paul says, therefore, there is now a note of condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In other words, Paul's argument is that, again, what the law was powerless to do, Christ in his glorious, blessed incarnation, in his death and resurrection, was actually able to accomplish. In other words, Christ fulfilled the law. Now, right. we might disagree on some particular aspects of what that word fulfill means, but in no way would any of us say that 
Christ is the law, because the argument that Paul makes is actually drastically different from that. Yeah. Right. And it's a big distinction. It's a, it's, it's it's a notable distinction. Yeah. And if you have something that Jesus does not say in the true scriptures, but something he does say in the false scriptures of the book of Mormon, I mean, it's just, again, you can, you can say like, oh, well, you guys are just, you know, quabbling over a small thing, but it's not a small thing. No, and it's not yeah, a small and, and, thing that a Mormon watching the show says. Yeah, there you go. That's, any Mormon, that's us. That's us, any Mormon right who knows yeah. their theology well right. will hear right. that and they'll go, "Ah, okay, I know exactly yeah. what they're going for." That's Nephi right. fifteen nine. Or, yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if you have a Roman Catholic that's watching and there's Roman Catholic things being portrayed in the Chosen, guess what? That yep. Roman Catholic's going to walk away with. They're what they're doing, yeah. and this is why I think it's so dangerous. Is that they're relying for one on ignorance that people have. Um, right. M- most people in our culture today just don't know what the scriptures teach. And that's just a reality. So even in the church what, culture, yeah. even in the church culture. And, but yeah. this is also, I think what makes it so popular, right? You're able to appeal to a very broad demographic of quote unquote Christians because it has this Christian culture attached to it. And it offers much of the same type of Christianity that pervades the evangelical world currently, but it's much broader than that because it's encompassing. I mean, you yeah. get an audience right. with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Catholics and everybody now yeah. is under the yeah. same umbrella as if to say yeah. we're all one big happy family right? under the chosen. But, but in reality, I mean, what it comes down to is the broader the audience you can appeal to, the more financially viable your show will be. Yep. Yeah. And so – if you you know you you can if you can make everybody a little happy if you can work in a a quote from the Book of Mormon, if you can have the uh, apostles pointing to a hill and saying look a watchtower and get the Jehovah's Witnesses all excited <laughs> now that didn't actually ha- that didn't actually happen but you know yeah uh, at least that I know of at least that I know of the maybe next season maybe uh, somebody's listening and they can put squeeze that into the next yep. season of things but so the the dangerous part right is it's it's incredibly well produced. Um, And that's why I say it's dangerous because you can tug on the heartstrings of people by making an emotional scene. You can Mm -hmm. lift people's spirits and then put them in a downcast mood in the next scene. You can have them wrestle with the humanity of so-and-so apostle or this hemorrhaging woman or whomever. And what they're doing is it's through the guise of entertainment, just appealing to the emotions. And I think ultimately... The problem behind it is it it's not that it's entertaining, right? But that we're entertained at the expense of biblical truth, and particularly right. and in this case, yeah, there's your we're entertained idea. at a false yep. understanding of Jesus, right? It's not right. the biblical Jesus, and no matter how you may want to stretch it, because it's a cinematic adaptation of the Gospels, it will never ultimately be a pure reflection of what the Gospels teach. It just can't be by mm-hmm. its very nature. You, you just made a really strong argument for two CV, Grayson. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. You did. Yeah. Like, which we'll get to that later. People are like, yeah. what is two CV? Is that a car? What is it? <laughs> um, is that the new electric car from Volkswagen? Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll get to that. But no, you're exactly right. And, and also that, that I am the law thing. The only reason I know that exists is that's what they were promoting. That was the commercial that I saw. They show this guy who I I presume is Jesus saying, you know, boldly, they zoom into his face. (laughs) And that is, 
that is Sylvester by the way, Stallone listener, and Judge Dredd. Yeah, I was going to say, the by the way, listener, that is not a clip from I don't remember that at all. And I watched the shows. I don't remember. <laughs> that is him Judge Dredd so from racist. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. But yeah. the same line. But uh, all that to say, that's what they're promoting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that a, is, that's a good point. That's, that's a good point because I That is the main that. message yeah. they put out as the big teaser for the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Like it wasn't like a little sub line. Like, oh, we didn't really think about it. That yeah, that was, like, the it was gotcha a very, yeah, yeah, it was a very pointed. That's that. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that absolutely. was it. That was the hook. Yeah. There was another clip floating around recently where I think it was, um, it had to have been Peter, right? So they're portraying Peter as doubting Peter. We're not doubting Peter. That would be doubting Thomas. But they're portraying Peter as classic Peter with foot in the mouth all the time. And But yeah. how they portrayed him in this clip from The Chosen was that uh, he's self-deprecating. He's having his own struggles, inner turmoil, and all that kind of stuff. And he lets out a line that's essentially, maybe I'm a mistake because God makes them too. And that was another one of those kind of gotcha moments. And it's like, mm. does God make mistakes though? That's gross. That's gross. That's it's grossly yeah. inaccurate. Yeah. It's blasphemous. It's it's even if you want to look at it and say, oh no, we're just portraying it as if he has a crisis of faith at that moment. It's like, and yet that's something Peter never said. My Lord and my God, you have the words of eternal life. Where else shall we go? That was right. Peter. As much as right. Peter acted the fool and did stupid stuff like all of us did, right? That was Peter. He never, he never called yeah. God a liar. No, right. or dishonest got, or make mistakes. So the chosen's got Peter going all emo. Yeah, on thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I watched that and and my heart sank um, because it's like hmm. that's that's the portrayal yeah. you're giving of. Right. I have no problems with it being given for a man because man is finite and man has fallen and man say, right. says all sorts of bad stuff, but that's a portrayal of what holy writ is. Right. And yeah. what it comes down to is, I mean, all of that leads into just all of these subtle distortions yes. that are taking place within the show. I mean, again, subtle, subtle things um, that someone who maybe is ignorant of scripture uh, would, you know, not even know. I mean, the average guy, because uh, the chosen for a, a lot is being used as a, uh, well, this is getting people thinking about Jesus. And this is introducing people who would never read the Bible or never go to a church. This is introducing them to Jesus. That makes it even worse that they're yeah. saying stuff like this. Yeah. Cause it's right? not, it's, it's not because they have no, because yeah. they have no background to actually say, mm, no wait, they didn't say like, no, Jesus didn't say that. Or Peter didn't say that. It makes it worse to put things in their mouths before an ignorant audience who then will take those things and do, you know, whatever they yeah. may with them. And not even things in the mouth, right? It could be. And I, I put this in the outline here for this, what's sometimes called mental theory picture. Okay. So second point, so number one was ties to Mormonism. Second, second issue of why we won't watch the chosen subtle yet dangerous distortions of scripture. And there's a thing called mental theory picture. And it, it's, it's this idea that within scripture and think about the narratives of the gospel. Um, we have four gospels and they tell the, the life 
the, the gospel of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Right. And they and they mention things. And in many mm-hmm. cases, there's harmonization of them. Mm-hmm. And you'll have one gospel author telling a narrative from his point of view and another one telling his point of view. And they may not be they're, they're They harmonize. They don't say the same thing, but they're complementing each other based on what each person was seeing. And they're both true. Right. Right. And what's really, really important. And I, and this is where I just think it's really dangerous, really, really dangerous. When you take a gospel narrative and you add things to the story that aren't there, it could yeah. be seemingly mean, meaningless things, little details by like colors of clothes they're wearing, shapes, bystanders, the tone by which people say things. Facial you know, expressions. Facial expressions. Yeah. Dude, right. Because right. when Jesus is talking, when Peter you know, says God makes mistakes, does, does Jesus laugh? Does he raise an eyebrow? Does he smile? Does Little what seemingly insignificant things like that are adding to what, what Scripture has told us. Scripture is sufficient in what it has told us. The narrative accounts of the gospel tell us all that we need to know Right. About the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and not a word or detail more. Right. And so putting words. It's sufficient. Putting words in Jesus' mouth, uh, not, I mean, on the words aspect is very, very dangerous, but it is also dangerous. I mean, the point that we're trying to get across here is even just mannerisms, tone, those kinds of things. I mean, that's, those are not things. I mean, how often do we see in the Old Testament people getting in trouble for putting words in God's mouth, saying yeah. things that are not true, uh, saying, you know, the Lord has said, you know, such and such thing, uh, you know, false prophets, false. And you may be saying, like, well, look, look, bro, it ain't that deep. But it is. I mean, it is when you are putting words into Christ's mouth before an audience who doesn't know any better to discern what is right and what is wrong, like what is scriptural and what is not scriptural. And there's so many Christians that are just willing to put this stuff out there and to partake in this and to have it for entertainment value or evangelistic purposes or whatever your excuse may be that are not thinking of the literal eternal consequences that can bubble out of, something like this. And I don't think we have the liberty to say, well, you know, it's doing a lot of good too. you know, I mean, yeah, it's just, um, Uh, the reality is, I mean, you couldn't always look at it and see what man intended for evil. God intended for good. None of us would bat an eye at that, but that doesn't mean that now we go forth in practicing evil so that God may do good. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yes. One other point I wanted to make in this mental, man that was really good. That's gonna that was be really a, good. We're gonna that's gonna be a snippet. That's gonna be that's gonna be that's a, gonna be one of Facebook those, reel or something. Yeah, Facebook yeah. reel. I'm gonna that's share gonna it with good. my friends. It's going viral. It's my friend Grayson. He's <laughs> how smart my friend Grayson is. <laughs> but oh so gosh. here's something to ponder. Here's something to ponder. The and. Uh, here, okay, so you have in a, the chosen, which which tells a story, right? Pick a gospel situation, right? The narrative in the gospels, it, it gives some cinematic representation of it. We are to know it only through scripture. When someone goes through, someone's going to nitpick with this, but I do believe this. When someone goes through and does a cinematic representation of what is in scripture, particularly as it relates to Jesus, they are in a fact, in a, in an effect 
acting as God because only God is all knowing to know every single detail of the situation that happened, the bystanders, mm -hmm. what people were thinking, how they were acting, how they responded, what Jesus drew in the sand, you know, all these things. Only God is all knowing. And any representation to add to what scripture has told us, it's, it's, you're, you're distorting truth and you're adding to things and you're yeah. playing many, many God or you're trying isn't to, it, right? Isn't it always just the tendency of man to need to spice things up? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's almost, it's almost as if we've gotten to a point in Western culture where we look at God's word and we say, it's not sufficient that hearing does, you know, the faith does not come by hearing yeah. faith comes by my greatest efforts to go beyond what God's word says. And now I'm producing this very well-made, very entertaining show that has Jesus acting and saying things that he did not say and acting in ways that he did not act, even if it is a subtle thing. I mean, it is a, it's a, it's where it comes from a low view of scripture. It comes from a low view yeah. of scripture to say, it's just this, I can't reach my neighbor with scripture, I have to reach my neighbor by sending them a link to, yeah. you know, to the chosen, you know, commercial. And, and if um, people think we're, <laughs> if people that time. are more conservative are, are taking issue with what's being said here. Um, I just want to remind everybody that this is the same types of arguments that were used for things like the shack this has been used for yeah. the circle for any oh, Christian yeah. film that's been right. around that yeah. it has been, right. I mean, utterly proven to hold not only false theology, but damnable the theology that will lead you to hell if right. you actually believe it. Right. And has yeah. been so, promoted under the guise of, but think of all the good that it can do or that you're it's just being, you're just being nitpicky. Yep. Think of all, when is the last time you reached 2 million people with, uh, a heretical view of the Trinity and like the check, you know, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, like, yeah. I mean, but people say stuff like that, like, well, you know, I mean, we're not claiming to be anybody. Yeah. We're just saying, you know, look, these are things that really need to be considered yeah. and think, the implication of these things need to be considered. And don't just take, you know, don't just take your medicine from these, you know, even, you know, uh, self, uh, professing Christian producers and things that are putting, you know, these things out, like think, like open your Bible, think yeah. about the implications um, and yeah, those think, different things. Think critically about what you're looking at or potentially looking at. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then um, po point three here. And this is one where, well, you had a, as I you understand had a cool, it, cool, you had a cool quote on point two though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I should read that by Poitras. Yeah, po yeah. Is it Poitras? Is that how he says it? Poitras? Yeah, I think so. I forget. How, I don't know how he pronounce his last name. He, he's a uh, Presbyterian theologian guy. But on this mental mental theory picture, um, you know, when we're adding to the events of Scripture, when we're making representations of what is in Scripture, um, either in our mind or in cinematic application, he says that God does not guarantee that our mental pictures of the events described in the Bible will precisely match those events. So you can... We do that. Like that doesn't even take the chosen. Like you could do that at home. You could be reading the Bible and imagining what's happening as you read the narrative. I think we all do that to a point that what he's saying is God doesn't guarantee that these mental 
pictures or videos of what's happening running through our head, these these portrayals of it are going to match those events. But what God does guarantee is that everything he says in the word of God is true. Right. right. And that's why we're saying you have to be very careful with all this stuff. You have to actually think through it critically is because the implications of it. And again, people may not like the implications of what I'm going to say here, but the implications are if you start to run away with this, where you get somebody who is naive to the Christian faith, somebody who has no background no Bible knowledge to be able to look at it and say, this doesn't even pass the smell test. Um, yeah. What they're automatically going to imagine in some way, shape or form is that this is not necessarily just a dramatic appeal. This is representing the Christian faith. Right. Um, they may you not take really it as far as some other really, people. What really scares me, and I know you guys too, because we've seen this on the page and other places, is how many comments you read of people saying, this show has brought my Bible reading time to life mm -hmm. that I was the, almost the, like the, the things were dull in the scriptures, but now I have this new view of it. I have this new vision of the things that are happening in the gospel because I've seen this because I've seen this show. Yeah. And that yeah. like, if you don't understand why that's a scary statement, um, I don't know how. Even to, why that's just sad. I, I don't it, know how to help you, right? <laughs> I mean, my mind immediately starts asking questions like, "Okay, if if that's enlivening your Bible reading, how much yeah. of your Bible are you reading? You know, right. are you are you reading your Old Testament? Are you reading the rest of your New Testament? Are you looking at the full Bible and saying this is something I need to be able to, at base minimum, make through once a year or once every two years? Um, yeah. right. You know, we did the podcast on how many people struggle with Bible reading. And I say this in, in no way to slam anybody that's listening, but when we went through the statistics, it's like, no wonder so many people are not reading it. They're not looking to the Bible for these things. And then right. if they are now going back to it, um, what's this gal reading? Is she reading just the gospels? Is that her right. whole substance yeah. in Christian faith? It's just right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we didn't put, you made me think of this. This actually isn't in the outline, but another th another thing that the chosen does for, for in, in the context of like the person you you just described, right? Is it allows someone to isolate the gospel narratives to be sufficient. Like there's not the count the whole counsel of God is not represented. Right. If you never go beyond, yeah, you never, if you never yeah, go like, beyond your thing. Right, right. There's yeah. you're you're trading you're trading reading through the Bible to some extent and, and allowing the whole counsel of God to right. soak in your mind and soul and shape your heart. Right. Versus individual events of the God. And the, you know, I'm not trying to make a over make a huge point here, but right. a TV show can never capture that. Right. It can never no. capture the counsel and I, of God. And I wonder if I wonder too if there's if there's anything to um okay my Bible reading, you know, it's not going well. The, the the chosen really enlivened my Bible reading. At what point then do you shift from? Oh, like, yeah. Well, then why read my Bible? I can I guarantee you that happens because I can just watch the I can watch the chosen. Like, so I could sit down and I could read, uh, you know, the account of Jesus calling Matthew, or 
I could watch it, which I have heard. I haven't seen it myself, but I have heard that it is a particularly they film it in a particularly moving way, uh, yeah. you know, and yeah. and that it's a particularly moving and emotional scene. Uh, so why read it when I could watch it? When I could experience you know? it. And if there's a and so like if is there a is there and again the, the listener may be saying, well, that doesn't happen. Um. It, My other question it, with it too, it, though, I mean, I think it, it does happen. I mean, you've got a case in point with this gal. Um, but my other question too is, okay, so barring every other argument aside with that, so what? What do you do in two years? What do you do when the show The Chosen's over with? And it doesn't enliven your Bible reading anymore. It's or like everything thing. else. Right. Yeah, it's like everything else in creation that gets dull and boring because sin has ruined everything. Right. What keeps you going back into the word? Yeah. The chosen is, is it, not alive, but the word of God is alive. Right. It, it's yeah. Sorry. I didn't cut you off. Grace. No, that's, that's where I was going with it. It's like, yeah. we have the very substance of all that God has breathed into his word that he says will be yeah. useful in this life in every which way that it can be. Right. Um, and so, in essence, what we're doing is trading that for, as C.S. Lewis would put it, mud pies in the slum, right? We can't imagine the holiday yeah. at sea because we're content. We're far too easily pleased with something. Yeah. And right. the question in my mind is if you're so emotionally driven to where you have to have a show to encourage you to read your Bible, you should automatically take a pause and start to wonder, mm. okay, what's missing here? Why I'm not saying you need right. to have a mountaintop experience every time you read. That's just unrealistic. Right. right. But if yeah. it's, I have to have this in order for this to happen with the very living and active word of God, something's wrong. Right? Yeah. There's something yeah. amiss in my soul. Right. And yeah. it's not the word. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So then the last point, and this is one where we don't, Completely we little, agree. We have a little disagreement. We're not gonna. Um, we're not gonna drag anybody out on the uh, drum and but, quarter but of Grace doesn't agree with us. <laughs> <laughs> For once, okay. This yeah. is the first time. Hang on, hang on. This is the first time in the podcast that I'm in the majority because I've always been the minority Presbyterian. Right? Yeah. It feels like pretty I'm good, like, doesn't it, Jack? It feels really good. I'm yeah. really liking being in the I'm just happy to be right on the now. winning side once I just, again. I feel a little, it's a little <laughs> hot in here. <laughs> Gird up your loins like a man, Grayson, and answer yeah. us these questions. No. Yeah, so go ahead, Blake. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, so, I mean, it, it, the, the second commandment violation issue. So this is a this is a point that Jack and I would hold very strongly Grayson's almost there. We had a very long conversation before we even started recording. And it's not like our, our dear brother is some flaming liberal or theologian or anything like that. Okay. So, I mean, it's just, there's, there is some disagreement. And, and again, I, one of the things I love about the chorus and the chaos and these two brothers is we do have some disagreements on things and application of, of things and different doctrines and stuff like that. And yet I fully expect uh, to see Jack and Grayson in glory. Amen. Amen. So that being said, 
This is why Grayson is wrong. Let's get into <laughs> man, Jack. I'm trying to <laughs> like. Kidding, I'm man. trying I'm to bring kidding. it down. Like I'm trying to bring it down to a <laughs> oh, simmer. I and have Jack to is coming behind me. This is what I actually enjoy. Right. Jack and I are just. Jack and I have been so cutthroat for such a long time. My man see and this is like the first time i'm trying to nuance things and jack's yeah. i'm doing everything that i'm trying Just to set up ah, stabs it. yeah right, right. you've killed my nuance <laughs> i am the nuance wait wait i'm on the wrong screen <laughs> right. wait wait so the <laughs> the nuance okay <laughs> Now that's a good course in a t- chaos T-shirt. I am the nuance. I am the nuance. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the second commandment violation aspect of 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 the show. Okay, so um, I mean you're you're following um, you know the course in the chaos. You know, relat- uh, relevant and reformed, or reformed and relevant, or whatever uh, that the you know, classic reformed position on this would be that images of Christ are a violation of the second commandment. Yes. That there's two parts of the second commandment that you are not to uh, make any images representing God. And then you're also not supposed to obviously worship those images either. Okay. Yeah. So that being said, Exodus 24, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Again, Exodus 2040. Calvin famously said uh, that our hearts, the human heart is a factory of yep. idols. Yep. You need look no further than the Old Testament and the Israelites to see that the human heart easily attaches itself to things that are not worthy of its affections. Uh, And so you have the Israelites worshiping false gods. You have the Israelites worshiping golden calves uh, that are meant to represent the one true God. Uh, You have them worshiping the brass serpent. I mean, on and on and on uh, it goes. Now the human condition of sin it is just as true today, I believe, that we are just as prone to idolatry as a people uh, as the Israelites were. I don't think it was any kind of a special malady for them. Uh, again, it's you look around you, uh, people dedicate their lives to all kinds of false gods. Um, your neighbors, your family members, your schoolmates, your you know, the people that you work with. I mean, this is uh, idolatry is alive and well. So the application of idolatry is we would see it um, in, in, in relation to the chosen is that when you try to portray Christ, you are portraying um, an obscure version of God. Okay, so we would look at like the, the 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 golden calf and say, well, obviously this is you know wrong. God declares it to be wrong. People die for this, even with Aaron saying, you know, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Uh, this is in effect, this is a representation of Him and things like that. Now, the the big issue, the split in the sheets, kind of comes, and I think even I might be misspeaking. Didn't R.C. Sproul believe that? 
he was okay images. With it. Yeah, yeah, the images of Christ yep. were okay. So again, this is one of the kind of one of those things where I want to step back and say, well, who am I to argue with R.C. Sproul? I don't know anything, you know. Uh, but then on the other end, uh, again, there's there's there is some debate even in the reform camp of this subject. So with that proper an amount of nuance, uh, Jack, are you wanting to say anything or am I just monologuing? I'm just loving it. I'm just right, listening right, to right, I'm just okay. loving it. <laughs> right. Just um, butt in. He's like, yeah, I'm just, just happy to be in. here. Yeah. No, right, so right, so yeah. as it relates to the chosen for those that think about the second commandment and hold the position that images and representations of God and Jesus is God, mm-hmm. um, representations of God, are a violation of the second commandment. And again, let me read it again for, for anyone listening. Exodus 20, verse four, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or in the heaven beneath, or that is water under the earth. And if you keep going, um, you shall not bow down to them or serve them for mm-hmm. I, for, I'm sorry, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of fathers on children of the third and, third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who keep my commandments. Okay. Right. In relation to understanding how the Ten Commandments are produced, it may, there could be we could do like a, an entire episode on this, right? Mm-hmm. But suffice it to say, the Second Commandment is related to worship. And what we're saying is, for those that hold this position, there's a couple couple things. One, our hearts are idol factory, act factories, as Calvin and Blake have pointed out. And <laughs> any representation. Good. good <laughs> I I love, love, did. He's like, I'm, yeah, right. I'm in good company. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but. Any any representation of Christ, pictorial, uh, graphical, cinematic, whatever it is, our hearts are going to be drawn to that. Right. And I can and I know that's true because if I say right now, think of what Jesus looked like. Some image inevitably is going to pop up in your mind. Right. Passion and, of and the no Christ, matter, or whatever it is, or, yeah, or yeah, or the chosen or. Whatever you know, yes, thing that whatever you, it is you know, you've seen, or the picture hanging on your grandma's wall. What's that famous yes. one of like the super white Jesus with the blue eyes yeah. and the knocking and the along the and the long hair? No, yeah, not that not. one. It was yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, those are the things that come to your. Those are yes. the things that come to your mind, and and that's right. how you and and whether you like it or not, you may say, "Well, I'm not worshiping that." Maybe not outwardly, but at some level. Your heart recognizes and associates the Jesus of the Bible with that image, right? An obscured image at that. It's an obscured. It's not him. It's not him. At best, uh, one could say, "Well, Jesus is a representative." We had a physical representation of Jesus uh, when he walked the earth. I mean, I think a couple things with that. One, this is a God-produced, true image of the person and the nature. Of Christ, yes. and so it is a 100% accurate representation. Uh, we don't have any pictures of Jesus. We don't even really have any description of what Jesus looked like beyond just a few things that he looked like a normal man, that he had a beard because his beard was pulled out. Um, you know, beyond that, we have no, we have no, um, you know, physical description. We have no drawings of him or. Anything like that. So anything that we produce today as an image of Jesus, at best, we are representing a partial Jesus because his divinity cannot be captured in a photo or a drawing or a painting. So at best, we have an obscured version of the uh, humanity of Christ, uh, 
Yes. Which is an error in and of itself because it's 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 splitting it's a the, lie. the person of Christ. Yeah, it's a lie. Um, it's not him. Yeah. It, right. It's something, and, and, it's something that is claim claiming to represent God that right. is fundamentally and so, and, not God. And I can hear, like I can hear people saying, like, well, we don't actually believe that's what God Jesus looked like. It just is a representation. But the rest the representation, at least in my mind, is still an issue. If I have a a, a picture of a of a, of a woman hanging up in my living room and people come over to my house and I said, well, who is that? And I said, well, that's my wife, Jackie. And they said, that's not Jackie. I said, like, well, it's not Jackie. It represents Jackie though. So, you know, I, I like to look at that <laughs> woman and it reminds me of, of Jackie. I mean, it's gross and it's weird and it's crazy that you would say that. And yet people say that about Christ. Well, that, oh, that I know it's not actually Jesus, but it reminds me. Of yeah. Jesus, or or it or it you know brings Jesus to my mind, or or things like that. Um, it's just this really strange. It's this really strange application of to me for me to see all of the prohibition in the Old Testament yeah. of making idols and representations of God to then move into the New Testament and say, "All bets are off, boys. Draw it up. Bust out that flannel graph." <laughs> It's, it's, uh, you know, image of Jesus night. Yeah. And again, part of that misrepresentation is what we mentioned earlier is one of the ma major issues in the show. It's not just the physical appearance of Jesus, but that the show has Jesus saying things that Jesus did not say. Yeah. Yeah. The show has Jesus acting in ways that he did not act. Um, and so what we're, what we have here, and you can call it, you know, artistic license, you can call it whatever. I mean, that may be work if you're portraying Shakespeare, but you're portraying the God of the universe who says that he is a jealous God. And there's a great danger in overstepping, yeah. Yeah. uh, overstepping in, in that area images well, I, that, yeah, yeah, go I, ahead. I was going to say, I think that's why this is just me kind of thinking out loud here. I think that's why we have the second commandment, though, because if you think about the what, what's the first commandment, right? It's only one God and only him shall you worship. Yeah. There, right there. The, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, yes. But that's that's the commandment, right? Right. To, yeah. to worship God. If that were the extent of it. Why would we need a second commandment? The per, like the worship of God is already you shall worship God alone has already been defined in the first commandment. So if the second commandment is only well, pictures don't matter unless I'm just worshiping them. That's already been established in the first commandment. The second right. commandment is going beyond that to like the golden calf to say you cannot make images of God. What you think right. God looks like anything, be it a cow. If you want to think of God as a bird, if you want to think of God, however it is. You can't do that because it is not him. It obscures his glory. And right. fundamentally what happens, and I think this is um, a big issue with the chosen in particular, is when we make images of God, the artist is making him the way he wants to be seen. Mm. I am that's artistic lost. license. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's artistic license. Yeah. Right, right. I think of Jesus this way, so I'm going to have him act this way in this scene. Right. That may or may not be true, and it could right. be a false representation of God. In fact, I would say it is a false representation of God, and therefore it is a violation of the second commandment. And the second commandment is pro prohibits such a thing to protect us because the only way that we can know what is true about Christ 
is in scripture. And that is what God has given us. And it is sufficient. Right. Everything we need to know about the person, life, death, resurrection of Jesus is contained right. within Holy scripture. Right. And there's not a crutch that's needed again. I know we kind of touched upon it. And I mean, in my mind, I'm kind of blending the things that we talked about before we started recording right. and the things and the things now. <laughs> yeah, we had like but, an entire know, episode that didn't yeah, get recorded. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, was yeah. a good 50-minute discussion. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. right. So here's yeah, where I see continuity and discontinuity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. Uh, you know, but you get into um, – you get into this uh, – the the representation of the nature of God and the person of Christ it cannot be accurately captured on film or in a painting or anything like that. And furthermore, as we mentioned, faith comes by hearing. Yep. Yep. And so hearing is hearing is enough. And it's to me it's just kinda it's just weird to say well, this show is reaching so many people that the Bible can't. I mean, we've seen that. Like, we've seen comments like that. that that's that, an admission you know, that the Bible isn't good. In, like, it's not strong that it's enough. Not, that it's, it's not, not good sufficient, enough. sufficient. Or that, yeah. it, or that it needs some kind of a, of a different, that it needs some kind of a help to seem relevant or, or to get people yeah. interested. And I think there is something to, maybe, maybe, I don't, I don't know if I want to say this. There, I think there's something too that what you win them by is what you keep them by, you know. And if you win yeah. them by That's entertainment well said, yeah. and false representations of Jesus, and you know, overproduced, you know, film things, whatever. At what point do you, you know, are you even able to step away from that and say, okay, well, no, actually, the Word of God is sufficient. Yeah. What do you mean the Word of God is sufficient? I my foundation was that the word of God is not sufficient. Right. And yeah, that I've yeah. got to, you know, I've got to get into uh, this, this other area. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, what we're simply advocating everybody do is just take some time and legitimately think through these issues. Right. We, we admitted at the third point, we have some slight disagreements here. We're not looking at you and saying, you need to be lockstep in every single line of what we just said for the past 45 minutes. Yep. What we're cautioning people in is to suspend their thinking because I think that's what much of much of what's been going on truthfully is that uh, because it's entertainment, we turn off the brain and we just allow ourselves to be entertained. Um, rather, right. we ought to be measured and controlled and ruled by the word of God and ask these questions and be able to say, okay, not only with a clean conscience can I do this, but biblically, biblically can I defend being able to do this to the glory right. of God? Um, and we're arguing that for various reasons you can't. Now, yeah. you might disagree with us, but I think we've at least been able to look at three large ones that are worthy of much consideration. Yeah. And yeah. if you have a false partnership with false gospels, you have, and as a result, there are teachings that are being distorted, and then as these guys just went into it, you have a depiction of Christ, which unavoidably conjures something in your mind. So the question right. we're asking all of you to do is just stop and consider, Yeah, is the show worth watching? Yeah. Yeah. And if, and exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I have strong convictions on some of these things, all of these things. Um, I don't, I want to be careful because I don't want to bind consciences 
beyond beyond where scripture goes, right? I do want to be honest to that. Uh, and these are my convictions, but I think the application here, um, as Grayson said, is to think about things, like step back yeah. and pray about it, have some discernment. Right. Right. And don't just blindly go along with something because it's popular and cool and yeah, fun yeah. And, yeah. and they have some cool and ad. In a, right. And in a way, I would say don't even, you know, don't like on this. It is okay. And we were actually talking about this beforehand. It's okay to revisit your positions, right? Yep. Like, I hope you know that, that it's okay to examine something, come to a conclusion on it. Come back a few years later, re-examine it. You know, I regularly, I regularly do that. I mean, my unpopular, my unpopular position is teetotalism. I think I've mentioned that before. Uh, these guys think I'm nuts. Our other reform friends think that I'm I'm nuts on it. But you know, it's something that I regularly revisit. I would say at least once every two years, I, I come back to it and I think maybe I'm off on that. I mean, so many other people are you know, thinking this other way, maybe I'm off on it. And then I usually end up just being actually entrenched deeper in my position, you know, but Am the I second, wrong? no, it's, but the the, no, it's the children that are wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Am I wrong? No, it's the wine bibbers that are wrong. So no, I, uh, but on the second commandment thing, I mean, this was something that I, uh, growing up and, you know, coming to faith in a more, um, evangelical kind of Baptist church, I guess you could say, uh, you know, I never even thought about really the images of, of Christ thing. Uh, and it wasn't until I was studying through the 10 commandments, that I really had to wrestle with it. And, uh, you know, that was, a, something that I, you know, changed positions on. So yeah. I would just say, you know, honestly, like if you've never really sat down and worked through it, Sit down and work through it. Maybe you will come to a conclusion that it's fine. Maybe you'll be on the R.C. Sproul end of things, uh, who, by God's grace, has seen Christ in glory even now. And, yeah. uh, you know, so maybe, you know, maybe you'll land in that position, but maybe you'll land in another position. Just study it through, yeah. pray it through, think it yeah. through, and uh, see what yeah. you come up with. Yeah. Amen. Two, two quick points on that, and then we can end. Uh, J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. There's an entire chapter dedicated to to this on the second yeah. commandment, and it was it was instrumental in my life, like because I'd never really thought like you, Blake, like it was never like a thing I knew people right. had a problem with until I read that book many years ago, and I was like, hang on a second, right? Um, yeah. He even did an updated chapter to that because so many people read it, right? Yep. I mean, that book blew up, and people took a huge, huge objection to it. So he actually <laughs> right. Right. He penned another like thousand or two thousand words to it to give a little bit more clarity because he's like, "Hold on, man, I'm not going to take this back. I'm going to actually double down." But <laughs> I had to appreciate the guy. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. he, here's a man who's strong in his conviction, and he's like, "Let me at least offer some clarification on on this yeah. because he's yeah. seeing people actually wrestling with it, yeah. right?" So, right. Uh, and then the uh, other two, thing, two great resources on that since you mentioned, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, two monumental. Uh, resources for me in uh, changing my position on that. I was reading Thomas Watson's 10 commandments. If mm. you like, if you're looking for a book on the 10 commandments, uh, Watson's 10 commandments, I think is an absolute masterpiece. I mean, just all the way through it is fantastic. Uh, and then also um, a little more 
a little more modern and updated, uh, Kevin DeYoung's book on the Ten Commandments uh, and his chapter on the uh, Second Commandment, I found extremely uh, level-headed and um, and um, well thought out as well. So I would recommend those two books in whole, but particular uh, in particular those two chapters. You know what we should do? We should have Kevin DeYoung on the podcast to talk about the Second Commandment. Hi, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as in just like, well, hold on, Kevin. We need to get to the underlying hermeneutic here that you're applying because I disagree yeah. because I approach the historical grammatical. Right. In ways like, Who are you? So if, in, yeah, right. if any of you know Kevin DeYoung, you can tell him we would love to have Kevin DeYoung on the podcast. Yeah. Shameless request. Shameless for... request. We will send uh, the, you a free book if you put us in contact with. Yes, Kevin. it may not be a right. good book, but we'll send right. you a book. Um, yeah, the other, and the that other thing I want to point out is content. Right? That's right. That, that won't even yeah. be <laughs> right. That won't even be premium content. We'll just put that out there for everybody. Yep. Um, yep. One one other thing I'll say because this comes up every single time the discussion happens uh, on the Facebook page, whatever the two CV thing comes up. Two CV being Second Commandment violation. Yeah. Um, is inevitably someone will say, well, what about books where they like Sunday school literature and stuff where they're teaching? Yeah. yeah it's a violation. I would say it's a violation of the second. We, uh, we recently in our church came to the final decision of going through all of the Sunday school stuff, equipment or, uh, um, not equipment, material, material. Yeah. And, uh, removing all of that. Yeah. So consistent. It was a tough sell. It is a lot. And I get a lot of people are not there. So right. be that as it may. But anyway, so. we've said enough. I think we just cut the podcast Those are, off right there. Not yeah, everybody's the, there. Take it or not leave it. there. Do what you want. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Do whatever you, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to do whatever you want anyway. So, and every man did what was right in his, <laughs> own, right in his own eyes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I am the law. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, thanks for listening to this bonus episode. Uh, (laughs) This has been The Chorus and the Chaos, and those are some reasons why we don't watch the shows anymore.